My name is Gunner. I play in a local Austin band called The Big Gun Show. I created this podcast to sit down with other songwriters, musicians, artists, and lovers of music just to talk about their top five records that inspired their lives and musical prowess. And yep, I said it before, I'll say it again. My band went into the studio over Labor Day weekend recording our new album called Honky Rock. Press it on vinyl, side A, honky tonk, flip it over, full on rock and roll. I'm not exactly sure when we're going to release it, but I can rest you assured of one thing, and that's you're going to dig it. Uh, today, another honor and privilege to have my guest on my Top 5 Records podcast. Chris the Whipper Layton was one of Steve, one half of Stevie Ray Vaughan's rhythm section called Double Trouble. The way he picked his Top 5 Records is super cool. I actually opened up for him and uh, Mike Flanagan, Sue Foley, one time at my friend Tom Amos's annual party. But that's just a tangent. Uh, let's get to the conversation. But first, close your eyes. You're over here at my house listening to Chris Layton's records. What five records do you have? All right, ladies and gentlemen, today, yet another honor and privilege to have Chris Layton on the My Top Five Records podcast. Hello, Chris. Hey, Gunter. How you doing? I'm doing good. I'm doing good. Um, so let's, let's talk about, oh, hey, by the way, um, I listened to uh, West Texas Blues on my way back from Houston last weekend, and yeah. I couldn't turn it off. I couldn't. I put it on Spotify, and I, I literally had to listen to it two times in a row. Your drums sound awesome on that, by the way. Hey, thank you. You know, see, Gunter, that's the whole point. See, that's what we want to hear. You couldn't turn it off. <laughs> yeah, I know. I know. But I, and I had no idea Flanagan could sing like that. Yeah, no, you know, he's fun to work with, too. He's got a lot of, he, he kind of pops out with a lot of interesting things. You know, I'm, I'm playing and I'm, and I'm listening, I'm going, oh, yeah, yeah, all right. <laughs> and that, and um, as a side note, uh, Chris Bell, the engineer, brought in these great modules that Rupert Neve's company, Neve, had um, come up in recent, come up with in recent times that went, got t- captured all their analog. Right. Uh, properties and then a digital translation and all the my drums went from like one simple firewire right into um the computer it's just unbelievable we walked in after we played played down a couple of three tracks and went and listened everything sounded fabulous just like that well your drums were so crisp that's one of the things i noticed and you know i mean i went back and listened because when i i talked to uh, i guess it was on monday last week i did flanagan on on this podcast which was pretty much a history lesson for me the guy knows a ton about music anyway he you know he had some organ players there on his list of course but man he is i i'm sorry i just think that he's he's amazing on that b3 yeah and you know what he is and, and, he, and he really does know a lot about music yeah. i mean in detail unlike probably myself <laughs> <laughs> that's okay all right let's, let's let's talk about your top five records okay i've got you as albert collins the cool sounds of albert collins um uh donny hathaway live i've got Jimi hendrix smash hits uh chubby checker the twist and zz top zz top's first album um where are you taking these records whipper well, when we get done, I'm going to bring them all over to your house, and you're going to give me top dollar for us since I, <laughs> to help me out in, in doing podcasts. <laughs> Man, I tell you what, doing a podcast is not hard. It is all you can do is like sign up for Podbean, and then it 
just straightforward after that. Yeah, I get it. I get it. Yeah. Well, let's let's start off with uh, Albert Collins. Now, I, I mean, the blues. I mean, this is clearly an influential album on, on a lot of people. You know, you hear this, you, you've seen uh, videos of him. You've seen videos of him with Stevie Ray, and it's just like – um, he is clearly an influence. Oh yeah. By the way, my wife was really angry with you for taking off Freddie King, um, from your top five. Oh, but you know what, <laughs> you know what, I want to go back to like just after the beginning of all this, when we started, because the, um, the five records, I was thinking about it and, um, you know, what, what this is all about, these five records, um, every single day I could probably come up with five really great oh, records yeah. and then i could sure. do this every day for probably the next six months the skin it just keeps <laughs> changing and and so I, I get the whole five record thing so really what what this actually became for me was that it occurred to me i thought well, what were five records that really marked some type of a change or something um you know vital in my the whole scope of my 45 years as a player Love from it. the very Love moment it. yeah from the very moment that something happened going forward so that was kind of it because I go, oh man, you know, when you told me that your wife was, when you just said your wife was mad that I took Freddie King off, I go, yeah, me too. But um, <laughs> so that's kind of that's actually kind of figures into the um, into the ZZ Top. Well, yeah, I mean, I love ZZ Top too, and that's the this is the the second time they've been selected in the top five records podcast. Anyway, but let's go let's let's go back to Albert Collins. Now, t- tell me why you chose this album. Uh, I tell you, I chose it because um, there is a there. There was something about that I heard it right off the bat, which really I, I adopted it in my style. As it turned out, which was you know what people call the rub shuffle. Um, I don't even know what that is. Well, that's that little drag that's like on "Don't Lose Your Cool," and actually a lot of the okay. shuffles on that. They go run to pop, run to pop. And I'm like, wow, what is that? I've never heard anybody do that, right? And so I thought, wow, that. So I kind of got hooked. And it was a record. Um, I don't remember how I came in possession of the album, mm-hmm. but I had the album and it belonged to Mike Buck. Oh, really? I later got stolen in a burglary in my apartment. But um, I listened to it because I was really intrigued by the, the feel. I mean, you know, in, 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 in the scope of my playing, I said, you know, there's all the things that people do to kind of get their vocabulary together, their technique and their skill, these practices and yeah. rudiments, regimen and all that stuff. But then it's like, really, can you actually kind of grab onto the feel of what, what anybody's mm-hmm. doing within the context of the musical piece? And I was always kind of intrigued by all those tracks on that record. And um, that was one thing about it. And um, I think it's... Um, it's really kind of where, where not so obvious for, you know, that influence is what, you know, I used on like cold shot on yeah, for sure. and the weather, for sure. Stevie Ray Vaughan and Double Trouble that came out in that. And so these were, you know, these are kind of things where people say, Hey man, what, what is that shuffle you're doing? I mean, players of where they were keyboard players, singers, right. guitar players. I said, what is that shuffle? I'm thinking, well, you know what? It really goes right back to that. Yeah. Um, okay. So that was, you know, I go, that was kind of a, a, a big deal because I, I really listened to that record really intently for a long time um, while I'm listening to other records. So, but it was, it was um, key in my, my playing style, I'd say. Uh, I love it. The Iceman. This, this record was 1965. 
Uh, mm-hmm. And I love all the, his references to ice and cold and cool and all that stuff. I know he's got all of them in there, man. I know. Oh, the ass man. Yeah. <laughs> I, I can't even keep them straight because they're all so closely related. You know? uh, I, and I mean, they were just instrumentals for the most part, you know? Yeah. 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 And so uh, let's see. What, yeah. Master of the Telecaster. I, did, I, I didn't realize that he was such a, a, a big Telecaster guy. Yeah, with his different tuning and capo, mm-hmm. you know, he just his whole thing was his whole setup was just entirely different than than other people who were playing. You know, other guys, you know, playing blues. Uh, his whole setup was just different, and he yeah. really did. You know, I, I really always when I heard him, I thought he does kind of have a cool sound. It's chilly, that, yeah, yeah, as opposed that. to hot and hot and warm and all those other things. You know. Yeah, I loved the song uh, "Snow Cone." That was the snow cone. Uh, was it two or one? That guitar yeah. tone had was just like, just like, incredible. Yeah, one of the great things about Albert Collins is he didn't really, he didn't have like a huge vocabulary. Okay. And like other and some other guitar players, but but he always used it brilliantly at places in all of his songs, and it, you know you listen to like say more modern guitar players and they got all kinds of things that they do, mm-hmm. you know, all, I mean, they have their style. I mean, yeah. there's a way you ID them in any number of ways, but, but they got all kinds of stuff that they do. But Albert Collins, was a pretty, he had a few little, like he, he, was, he was like a guy that had like a, a three, three round revolver or something. You know, it's like, <laughs> it's like, it's all I need. That's all I need. I just need this lick right here. Uh, that's, that, that's funny. Yeah, no, I love the back and forth, the horns and the guitar. It's just, it's, it's just classy, you know? Yeah. That's, yeah, it's great. Yeah. Right on. Um, anything else you have, did you ever get to meet Albert Collins? Oh yeah. I got, I, I got to meet him. He, he came in and he played with us several times and, um, and double trouble was his band for a three night run at Antone's one long weekend. And, um, yeah, so played with him as nice. you know, as the drummer in a band of his, and then he you know, he joined us on stage a number of times. Nice. It was it was great because he joined us. We played uh, George H. W. Bush's inauguration, the Young Americans Ball, in Washington. He was our Jimmy, and he were the other the, were the guitar guests on that show. Nice. Which was great. I love to see Albert Collins up there. And he had like people like Barbara Walters and Peter Jennings, all these people sitting like the first round. He's just like going crazy. He goes, yes. Yeah. <laughs> Melt their faces. Uh, that's, that's, that's great. Yeah, no, definitely one of the, the, the true bluesmen, you know, I mean, of course the King, the King, I mean, I, I call them the King brothers. Yes. Um, the King family. Yeah, exactly. Freddie, but it's BB and Albert. Oh God! Wait a minute. We're getting off into some more of my other favorite records uh, <laughs> that aren't well, on I mean, the list. <laughs> like, right? I hear you. I mean, um, I'm, I'm, my favorite BB is Indian. What's it called? Indianola or Indianola? Yeah. I looked at Jeff Beck's. All of a sudden, as you and I were talking about all this, Jeff Beck's five records came up, and and really, BB King live at the Regal. I went, yes, that's it. You know, BB King live <laughs> at the Chicago at the, at the Regal Theater in Chicago, 1965. Yeah. Anyway, Somebody so I just sneak that in there, Gunther. Yeah, there you go. And hey, man, it's hard picking five. You know, it yeah. really is. And and I like the way that you went about it. You know, you said, you know, these are things that influence my style and what I do. So you know, everybody picks them for different reasons every time. You know. Yeah. Um. Okay. So uh, let's talk about old Donny Hathaway. Um. Died at the very yes. Age. 
Um, so, but I mean, I remember all of those songs um, from when I was a youth. I mean, it was, I, I, I remember his voice specifically. And, you know, I know that he got rated uh, by Rolling Stone by as like 48 of the top 50 live albums ever. So. Yeah. So that, so that record, 1972. Yeah, no, it was in 1973, 74. Okay. I, I'm living in Corpus Christi. That was like a, a, a year before I, I, I packed up and came to Austin. Mm -hmm. And I didn't know about the record on its release. I certainly knew who Donny Hathaway was, but I went over to some friends of mine at my house. My friends of mine, uh, Ricky and Sid Sanchez, the brothers, and they were living um, Del Mar, avenue in corpus christi and i went over to visit him one day and i walked up and as i came in i heard the record and ricky says uh the ricky answered but i said hey man you got to come check this guy out man they go this is this is this, you won't believe this bass solo everything is everything right. really weeks right and they, and they said i said they go donnie hathaway they go and they go yeah yeah donnie hathaway um freddie white on drums earth wind and fire uh-huh right? who was, I was a fan of, um, the band and, and love Freddie White. There's something, you know, anyway. And so we, as we sat, we listened to that. I was like, God, that's unbelievable. That, that that's just, a, that is an amazing. So, so I got the record and I kind of listened to it over and over. And, and once again, it's one of those things I went, wow, man, that's so cool. So many different little things about, what they're doing on that record to, you know, dynamically and compositionally and, you know, in a live setting, they did that. There two, there two nights that recording was taken from it. Um, so, but here's the thing. It was, I, I packed that with me everywhere I went. And the, the day that I met Stevie, um, he came over to our apartment. I had sat in, I don't know, the night before, a couple of nights before with Paul Ray and the Cobras when, their drummer had overslept and that's really where Stevie and I met was on stage. <laughs> and so we're Love playing it. and we're, I know we're doing songs and he's turning around, he's kind of looking over me and kind of smile and give me a wink or two, you know, and then he comes over and when he comes into the apartment, because my roommate Joseph Blatt was in that band and, and so Joe had called him up and they, they were apparently, they, they had been talking about me and Joe said, can you come on over? Come on over. He's here right now. He's playing. And so Stevie came in and he had, and that little conversation on the stoop of the upstairs garage apartment. And then Stevie came in and, and I was playing with that. I was playing grooving on that song. And oh, I really? looked down. Yeah. I was grooving on that song on everything is everything. And um, I looked down and Stevie was standing right next to me. I'm surprised that I didn't hit him with my elbow or something. <laughs> And I startled and I went, whoa, he goes, no, man, he goes, go, he goes, go ahead. I said, no, no, I go, he goes, you listen to Donnie Hathaway live? And I said, yeah, he goes, man, that's one of my favorite records. <laughs> and, I, and we kind of, we kind of hooked up, you know? Yeah. He said, yeah, man, really? He goes, man, that's so cool. You know, that kind of kicked off the conversation to talk about a bunch of different other artists and music that we liked in mm -hmm. common. And, um, you know, so we kind of, you know, one of those deals that kind of cemented the interest, I think. And then, you know, a year and a half later, Double Trouble came around. Yeah. Uh, no, I love that. So, story. I mean, that's kind of a big deal. And I, and I love the record. I mean, it's actually one of, it's one of my favorite records, no matter how many 
different top five picks on whatever day I could, I could pick. That would be, yeah. That's one of them. Yeah. And it, cause it has that kind of significance. It's one of those moments. Yeah. No, that's, I mean, what a great story, you know, somebody overslept, you got the job. Yeah. And, you know, I, and I kind of wondered if I'd have been, if he had come in and I was, you know, you know, playing to ACDC, which I love too. He might have gone, oh yeah, okay, cool. I don't know, you know, but Mm -hmm. I do know that. I do know that, that there was a surprise like, wow, we both really love this record, you know? So there was, there was that, that connection. Awesome. What else? What, I mean, I mean, he, he died young. He died. He was like, went like crazy, didn't he? Yes. Um, suicide from a New York building window. Allegedly, that's that's what Allege- I know. Allegedly, I say that like, I shouldn't. I'm just yeah. They, you know what? Thanks for including that. Um, yeah, yeah. He had some. He had. He had. He had. He had some mental issues. I mean, I've had them myself, but um, yeah. I'm, thank God, I'm still here. Oh. <laughs> <laughs> uh- yeah, no, I, I, I really enjoyed that one. I just, um, it, it was, it, it was good to go back and listen to that. And also I love, I love that electric piano solo of his during the ghetto on that. On oh that. God, it's fabulous. It's insane. Fabulous. It's, it, it's so good. I also read I mean, I that. Met Willie Weeks. I met Willie Weeks in Cleveland in, um, 2015. We were stumbling around the hotel lobby and, um, we talked about that. He said, man, you know, he goes, I said, yeah, how did you, how did you feel about that experience? He said, man, you know what? It was one of those nights where you get on stage and we talked, I was asked about, I brought up that song. Everything is everything. He said, okay. you know, that he goes that, but that night that, 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 rec- that, that recording was taken from, he said, it's one of those nights where you just get on stage and you feel like, you know what? You, you, you look around and you feel like nobody can do anything wrong. Right. He says it was actually a really special evening, you know, no doubt. No doubt. And um, then he said, and they said, Hey man, you know, anybody needs a bass player? <laughs> 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 kind of have jokingly, but he was just happened to be not working right at that second. And I was like, wow, Willie Weeks. <laughs> that's funny. Um, yeah, no, that's such a great album. I, I, I thoroughly. So thank you again for making me listen to it. Um, okay. So uh, another one of the, your records is uh, the twist with chubby checker now i read online that uh when you heard this that's when your fascination with the drum started yeah yeah you know what because it's i mean there's a lot of fun songs on the twist chubby mm-hmm. checker the twist my sisters had bought that record and yeah you know we there was other records and you know you listen to the radio when I was growing up, I was a big radio guy. I just listened yep. to stuff on the radio. It's kind of like, guess what we all do. We're kids. We're not going out and buying records when we're five years old and stuff. But um, they put that on. And the twist, just as it happened to be, was I heard it. And I kind of got, I got chills and my hair stood up. And I went out and cut off some branches on a bush and started beating on things. <laughs> and so that was, that was just another, it was a moment where that happened. So it was before that there wasn't the idea of drumming and after that there was and that's the song and yeah it's funny i was um yeah the, that song was originally cut in 1958 by hank ballard and the midnighters yes it was and dick clark um wanted to have hank hank uh hank ballard on to sing that song on american bandstand 
and he couldn't do it. So they heard about the guy Chubby Checker and he came on and sang the song. Cut and then cut the song and it became somewhat of a big hit. But it's it's interesting because, you know, years later, you know, we did um, look at Little Sister mm-hmm. on the Soul to Soul record, which is another Hank Ballard and the Midnighters right. song. I didn't know it's that. Kind of a, yeah, kind of a, it's kind of funny where you, you know, something happens like that. And then years later, it kind of ties in again, which was a great tune for us to do. I went, oh, yeah, Hank Ballard and the Midnighters. And I didn't actually know that then. And I went back and kind of looked at it and go, well, where, where does that go back to? I went, how about that? Yeah. 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 And then his, I mean, it just started to craze across the nation with everything that he did, you know. Well, uh, the, the, the dance of people were already, actually already kind of doing the move, but they kind of applied it. I mean, the actual song, The Twist, and aspects of that song go back a long, long time before that kind of as a thing that built up till finally there was a song and then a dance where people were li- literally dancing apart from one another. My, my parents were jitterbuggers. You know, so there was that whole thing where everybody always danced together. And then came the era when all of a sudden people started dancing apart. Rudolph Nureyev actually danced, did the twist. Did you know that? No, I see. I did not know that. <laughs> he actually, I get to yeah. learn stuff on this podcast. It's great. <laughs> he, he gave it a try. I'm trying to imagine, you know, he was, you know, um, one of the early one of what are one of my lifetime's great ballet dancers. I'm thinking I've seen Rudolph Nureyev do the twist, but um, yeah, he did. So did Zsa Zsa Gabor. Anyway, it's <laughs> funny. Yeah, no, I'd um. So, did you ever watch the show Quantum Leap? No. Scott Bakula. It, no. It, it was one of my favorite shows growing up, and it's um. So Scott Bakula, and so he, basically the, the 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 idea behind the show is that Scott Bakula is Dr. Sam Beckett, and he he's with Sam Rockwell. Basically, he he leaps through time and then solves like an issue, and they'll always right. like, do a cameo of of whoever. Well, they did one with I totally remember the one that they did with Chuck. I mean, with uh, um, with Chubby Checker. Oh, he did. I, I know the show so seriously. So he yeah, yeah, he did it. And so he goes. So there's this guy Al who is his like kind of sidekick, but he's just nobody sees him. He's like, oh god, that's a, that, that's that's Chubby Checker. And so he starts doing this. He starts doing the twist, and he's like, hey man, uh, can I use that movie? He goes, well, yeah, I stole it from you. <laughs> <laughs> oh man. Yeah, everybody was doing it. So that was another thing. It was one of the, like the Macarena or something where right, every, right. everybody's doing the dance and it's arranging the song. Too. But that was, that was that simple for me with, with the reason that, that I went, yeah, you know, I should, I should I, and that, that should be one of my picks going down this vein. Right. And I, I love how I ended up getting his name like from, I think it was Dick Clark's wife on the show. She was like, well, so what's your name? He's like, people call me Chubby. And so she said, Chubby Checker, and so that's how you Chubby Checker. See, see how see how simple it can be. I know, right? So easy, so easy. (laughs) Yeah, I I mean, just yet yet another like classic, classic song that's just it's been, um, you know, the fact that it it caused a dance craze is is even cooler. Yeah, that's that's a pretty that's yeah, double header. (laughs) All right. Uh, anything else you want to say about old Chubby? Uh, nah. Um, other than I listened to that again recently, I went, yeah, that's, that gave me a little bit of a chill. And I was like, oh, yeah. 
Yeah. I typically, yeah. So for this podcast, I always listen to all the albums and for Albert Collins, I couldn't so typically I'd go to like Spotify and try to find the album so that I can listen to it and research it and, and do stuff like that. But ultimately like for Albert Collins and for Chubby Checker, the twist, I couldn't find them on Spotify. So I had to go to YouTube and go put a playlist together so that I could actually listen to it in the, in the order that they, cause I like to listen to it in the order of the album in the sense that I like, you know, there's a whole art behind the album that, that you're going to create. And uh, I feel like that, that art has been lost today. Yeah. Um, well, you know, it's, I mean, I mean, we were, you and I had talked about this at another time, but mm -hmm. you know, back then, um, you know, things happen. I realized how, how quick things happened, like in youth where at, at six years old, right. When I heard the song, um, you know, my sisters who were much older would play albums and I'd sit and listen to them. But at six, I didn't take that record and sit down and go through every track and find meaning in the way the album was put together. If right. there was, because a lot of them, some of them weren't, you know, we, you and I were talking about concept, uh, a concept work mm -hmm. and some of them were just collections of songs. Right. And I yeah. think that, you know, I, you know, I can't help but wonder if the, uh, the so-called concept record, you know, came out of the idea like, well, let's have the whole thing have a meaning. I mean, not unlike when artists do shows where you try to figure out how to craft a show mm -hmm. that has a nice movement to it, yep. you know, from the beginning to the end. And so, you know, in meaning and the way everything flows and because some records, they're great records, but they go, here's one song and here's another song. And here's another song. You know, how does it feel? You know, does that feel right. good? So that would sit next to that one without there being like a whole big picture idea that goes back to the writing of the songs. And some that there are and some aren't, you know? Yeah. Yeah. We just got, as I told you, we just got out of the studio, uh, the zone down in um, Drippin and Pat Mansky uh, mixed and helped us produce it. Uh, that guy's awesome, by the way. I don't know if you ever worked with him, but I, I haven't. Uh, yeah. I was talking to Ray Wiley Hubbard and he was saying that he's like, this is, that's where you want to go. So cool. Did, and it was, it was good. So we, you know, we're still struggling on, on, because it's going to be called honky rock, you know, first side is going to be honky tonk. And the second side is going to be rock and roll. Um, we're a rock and roll band, but we've been playing at Jenny's little longhorn for five years now. I think every first Friday of the month minus COVID. So, which kind of sucks, right? you know, I mean, I, right. I'm dying to get out there and play. And we've got all these brand new songs that are just, we're ready to, we're just ready to rock them. And COVID can kiss my ass right now. If you ask me. Oh God. Rabbit hole. Hey, why don't you do, we'll do another podcast? Call it the rabbit hole. What's your, what's your favorite rabbit hole? <laughs> <laughs> Love it. Love it. Okay. Jimi Hendrix. Um, Jimi Hendrix is my wife's favorite artist. Nice. Um, she is a, a, a blues woman. Um, and so she, she turned me on to Freddie King. She turned me on to, a lot of stuff. Now she listens to a lot of hip hop and other stuff that I don't really get. So, but talk to me, Jimi Hendrix. I mean, this, this album has got so many of his like just insanely popular songs, you know, I mean, for everything from purple haze, fire, uh, Hey Joe, all on the cross, uh, cross all along the watchtower, excuse me. Uh, but I mean, Foxy lady, just, I mean, I just I, whenever I hear Foxy Lady, I always think of Wayne's World. Foxy, 
yeah, well, you know, so, so this is, okay, so I'm living down in a little farming community north of Corpus Christi, and we would get KTSA, radio station out of San Antonio. They, they, they shot south. And on the radio, I heard, hey, Joe. And right. I went, and I remember thinking, because see, going back to when I was a little kid, right right at that time after the twist, mm-hmm. there was a whole thing that happened at that incident of me going and grabbing the branches and all that. And my dad brought out all these big band records, the Chick Webb oh, Orchestra. Cool. Right, Harry James, Glenn Miller, Duke Ellington, Count Basie, and we spent like the better part of a um, the whole morning and early afternoon just listening to seventy eights of big band records. And so when I heard that, I went, "God, what in the world is this? Like I've never even heard anything remotely like this." Right? And then my mother, my mother then came home with a, with some Ray Charles records. I went, "I go, you know, this doesn't sound like Pat Boone and you know all this other stuff that you might hear on the radio." And I'm going. Mm-hmm what is this, man? This is like, fucking. I mean, I love it. And then, you know, hearing the twist, et cetera, et cetera, I'm going, I'm wanting to play, but so I'm listening to the radio in this little farming community where I'm, this is where I spent half of my childhood, listening to KTSA and I hear, Hey Joe, come on the radio. And I went, wow, man, what is all that? I was listening to all that guitar rhythm and all that stuff. Yeah. Kind of, oh, what is going on with that? That's like, nobody's, nobody's played like that yet. And then I'm listening to the drums and I'm thinking, man, the drummer sounds like those guys on those records, but this is not anything like that music. Right. Um, and I was blown away, but I go, I, I knew nothing. Uh, and so that I go to the, um, um, I go, this, this is, I don't know, a year and a half later, I guess I go to Keys Pharmacy. There wasn't a record store there. You couldn't buy records in Mathis, Texas. That's what I'm talking about. And the pharmacy would have like, top 10 records and they were like right there at the cash at the at the at the cashier like they have them now like you know at whole mm-hmm. foods where you got like a few yeah, yeah. cds or, and starbucks. there was that like a, yeah starbucks there was the guy there was this guy jimmy hendrix smash hit so i see as far as i was concerned that was his first record yeah. <laughs> <laughs> the first record that i saw right then i looked i went where there's that song you know and then there's these other songs on there so i got it i took it home and i started listening until i was like oh wow and i was blown away um, well, I mean, his style is just like unbelievable, you know. I mean, it, I mean, I, I love the album Blues that he did. Oh like, yeah, love, it's uh, just like so good. There is so much great stuff, um, and yeah, we went through a period where people shoveled us like all these great bootlegs, like live shows all over the world, and certain, you know. And I've got a bunch of discreet recordings of Jimi Hendrix in the studio where it's him just playing one of the guitar parts and just the drum track or just the bass track. And I've been working here you know, being the drummer for Experience Hendrix for 15 years. I've got a good right. relationship with them and I've heard all kinds of stories and I've heard all kinds of other recordings that have never been even, you know, published or, and so it kind of gets real deep and I'm going, wait a minute, I could get way off that way out in the weeds on all this, but something, but that was the moment where I went, what is that? It was life changing. Yeah. I mean, in life changes, there's never been anything like this that I, that I'm aware of. Of course I'm young, but I'm going, I'm looking at that and going, wow, this is just, um, it was moving. Uh, um, no doubt. Later I met Mitch Mitchell and we, I met Mitch Mitchell and we worked together. We became friends. And so there was a lot of stories that came with, you know, how that stuff came about when they actually recorded tracks and, and, and the way they worked together. So this was a real rich experience, you know, going all the way back to like going into keys, keys pharmacy and seeing the smash hits. And going, <laughs> that's her. That's that guy, you know? 
<laughs> Look at his afro. Yeah, I was man. like, wow, cool, man. Trippy dude, man. Oh yeah, such a it's. I mean, well, I mean, it's just a it's it's just a killer record, you know. I mean, everything from Red House to, uh, you know, Fire, Hey Joe, of course. Um, I mean, so good, so good. So I knew a guy too. So uh, there was a guy that was like, you know, at this point in time, you know, I'm a t- little teenager, and there was a guy that was almost four years older than me, and he had latched onto this guy named George Choplis, who was a drummer. Uh. And I heard Hendrix blasting out of his uh, family's garage one day, and I rode my bike over there, and he's sitting, and he's playing his Rogers drum kit, and he's playing along with fire, and he really had it down. So, I mean, you know, you're way out in the middle of nowhere, and you've been exposed to virtually nothing, really, no real experiences, but I pull my bike up, and he's in there, and he's playing along with fire. He actually has it down pretty well, so I'm actually kind of seeing, like, oh, that's what that looks like when somebody plays it on a drum kit. Uh-huh. If you hear stuff on records, you hear guys, whatever instrument they're playing, you go, well, what, what, how do you do that? Like, where do you get started? And, you know, when you're, when you're actually playing, but you don't really know, like, well, how does that work? You know, what's, and uh, so I actually sat there and I'd watch him play. He kept putting it on and on. You know, turn around, he put the needle on the album and, you know, play the song. <laughs> back, and play in, along back in the day. Yeah, he had a big, he had a sure PA, you know, and he had his uh-huh. point right at his head on either side of the drum kit at the, you know, inside the, you know, up inside the garage and, had pulled the car out and you know people gathering around like his own personal concert and anyway so i just have those they're fond memories oh that's a i love it i love that i mean I, i'm i'm really digging on on you know why you're picking these albums and it's 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 really cool um yeah so again my wife thinks that he is the best guitar player ever that's that's her theory well, you know, he. Um, it's funny because you know, in recent years, things emerge and people say, "Oh, you know what, man, my my son or you know my wife or my, my you know whoever it might be say they really think that Stevie was a much better guitar player than Jimi Hendrix." And I'm, and I go, "Really?" Um, and what I think is, you know, I was talking with Doyle Bramhall too about this, and he said, "Yeah, you know, Hendrix was kind of like a Sufi. You know, he was like a shaman, and that." you listen to um, what he's playing and the way they put those songs together. You go, it's not easy for somebody who's not brilliant to really pick out what is really going on with the guitar. Yeah. And cause I do have the benefit of having these isolated tracks that I can listen to. And he's kind of a, he's a funky, he was a funky guitar player. I mean, yeah. you listen, I mean, timing, you know, and, and how he, rushed you know pushed the beat ahead and fell back on it mm-hmm. and even some of the the way that he plays some of the stuff that he plays it's funky it's not like good clean there's no like there's no you know eric johnson joe satriani style guitar playing there per se it's like right. low down so but, but you listen to some of the parts you go what is that chord and that the way he put ideas together creatively you go that was original i think that was the you know the one of the things about him is that he go never heard anybody put together and come up with that kind of voicing of that, that type of chord and then play something like he just played right after it, you know, and then put another, an alternate part or two on top of that and you weave them together and you go, what is that guy doing? You know? So, so he was not, it wasn't real clear. If you just listened, it's like, Oh yeah, I hear what, I hear what he's got going. I was like, it was always like, that's kind of a mystery, you know? So I know I've mentioned my wife quite a few times so far on this podcast, but so she and her twin sister moved down to Austin and I guess it was the early nineties 
and they used to have this their total blues like freaks outs and that basically what they would say to people was that when uh voodoo child came on they'd say stevie or jimmy and they're kind of quizzed to, to, to figure out if, they, if, if that if that person knew anything about it so oh you know what actually i never you know what thanks for saying that because i never made the point was i thought you know maybe if people think that about stevie i'm not saying one way or the other but he's you can clearly hear a lot of what he does and kind of understand it more easily oh, yeah, because for it sure wasn't for so sure. ethereal and you know all that wild woven together stuff that you know i give hendrix i mean he's the guy you know yeah. and you go oh you can hear what's going on there when that with hendrix you go man who knows what's going on in that mystery of it there <laughs> yeah i mean you, you you really don't i mean his hands are like the size of a basketball yeah you know, yeah he's got these like huge hands and uh yeah i was listening to a um there's another podcast out there called the 27 club, which I really dig. And it's, uh, the, he did, it's this guy that did Disgraceland. Uh, Jake Brennan is his name, but he did, um, the 27 club and that's the people that died at age 27. So first, yeah, yeah. first year was, I mean, the first 12 episodes on Jimi Hendrix and then 12 episodes on Jim Morrison. I think that he's going to do one probably on Janice Joplin and Jim yep. Morrison. Uh-huh. Yeah. And you know, Kurt so Cobain, Kurt Cobain, he, well, he did one, he did like a, a two part episode on his, on his Graceland, Disgraceland podcast. It's, it's good. He's a good storyteller and uh, I dig it, but yeah, I just think it's, you know, age 27, all these, these super talented musicians, you know, passing away. Who knows? Yeah. I wasn't that crazy at 27. You know, who knows what that is? You know, I mean, well, we won't have to get, we don't have to get off. And then maybe we'll find out the answer, you know, if there's the great beyond or something. <laughs> when we get up there, everybody's all jamming together. We say, hey, hey, guys, what was the deal with you guys leaving at 27? <laughs> hey, man. <laughs> hey, man. Oh, that's, uh, that's a funny. Uh, yeah. So, okay, let's, let's, let's move on. Let's talk about ZZ Top. Now, I, I remember when I was a kid and going to carpool in school and there was this one kid, his name was Walker Peacock, and he loved ZZ Top. I didn't at the time. But as I've grown and as I've matured, I've come to a huge appreciation of what Billy Gibbons brings to this world. And, you know, this is their, their debut album in 1971. They were the little band from Texas. And I just went back and watched that, that uh, I think it's on Netflix, the uh, ZZ Top, like rockumentary thing that they did. Yeah, yeah, it's good. Yeah, you know, and <clears throat> I loved how like all music said, you know, well, uh, it may not be perfectly polished, but it does establish their sound, attitude, and quirks. <laughs> well, you know, so um, once again, I'm driving around in a car, as I recall, and shaking your tree somebody else been shaking your tree comes on the radio and mm -hmm. the first song the very first single and they actually also played the stardust rollercade which was a, a you know a, a roller rink in corpus christi and i snuck in and i saw them and i thought you know they sound like that guy i heard because i heard freddie king yeah i heard all these other things i'd heard hendrix and i'd heard you know there was the big band stuff and my mother's ray charles records i went these guys seem like they're kind of somehow they've kind of put a little, some of that flavor together, but they kind of sound, you know, that whole thing that like the steel guitar part and yeah, uh, as it were, 
and all that. I go, they're kind of not quite any of it, but, but you know what? It was tangible because these other things that I've already talked about, I mean, all this stuff, you know, I never saw any of it. I never right. experienced any of it in person. And so that was something that in, in, a, in a lot of different ways kind of tied everything together, you know, another insight, you know, mm-hmm. another piece of a puzzle that's coming together. And um, I went out and I got that record and I listened to it. I can't tell you how many times I listened to it. And I just thought, you know, I get my hands on this. I'd seen, I saw them, Yeah. you know, I played the record. So you play the record and you can hear, you can see them playing it, you know? And so that was, these were like just big, big moments in time, you know? Yeah. And, I, and they were from Texas. Well, let you me know, tell they, you a little story. I, I, I told this to Mike Flanagan as well. When I was a kid, I grew up on in Tanglewood in Houston, Texas. And like six houses down was Billy Gibbons' mom. And we used to go. Oh, really? Eight years old. We would go and go over there, knock on the door. Hey, is Billy home? <laughs> he was long gone. <laughs> this is like in like seven, in like eighty or something. Uh-huh. That's a good one. That's a good story. Yeah, yeah, um, yeah. Because yeah, that that was that was the part of it too. You're thinking, well, wait a minute. Were you talking about the old big band guys that were long gone, or Jimi Hendrix who was you know gone? And but I go, well, where were where were those people to begin with anyway? You know, right? You know, whether you're like you were, you know, whether you were listening to the Beatles or they're, they're from another continent and all these other people, like they're all from somewhere else. It might as well be the Wizard of Oz kind of shit. You know? It's like <laughs> everybody's like somewhere else. They're not in your world, you know? And you go, well, is this stuff real? You know, you're listening to it. You go, yeah, but can I see the people, you know? Can I, can I, t- can I get a look at them? And, you know, and then with ZZ Top, I was like, there they are, you know? Oh, yeah. And, and I love that song and it kind of starts tying together a bunch of different stuff. Um, so yeah, that was a, a big deal for me. Yeah, no, I, I, I do, you know, and I read someplace that, you know, the whole, the whole mantra that Billy Gibbons was, you know, good artists borrow, great artists steal. Yeah. He, he's, he's fun. You know, he's fun to work with. He's, he's always a ton of fun to hang around with and actually work with. Yeah. He's how always tall, got a little, how tall is he? Well, maybe an inch taller than me. Okay, I'm five eight. You know, let All me right. think. Let me look. Let me look at him here for a minute. Yeah, yeah. about my size. Okay. Yeah, maybe just a little bit taller. He's just yeah. so skinny. He looks. He looks taller than he is. I guess. Yeah, yeah. He's master of illusion. <laughs> and yeah, well, the whole. I mean, I mean, the whole ZZ Top thing is just like. I love the fact that you know they were just like touring like crazy, and then they all were like, dude, I'm burnt out. We got it. so. Uh, Billy went over to um, well, Dust. Um, who was it? Frank Beard went to rehab because he was all fucked up. And then uh, Dusty might have gone down to Mexico or whatever it was. Billy went over to Paris. They all came back, and the only person that hadn't grown out a beard who wasn't lazy was Frank. And so that's when they started the beard thing. And that's when they, and I, I, I think that beard thing is just brilliant. I think it's it it makes them ageless. It makes them timeless. It makes them, it makes them, it, it's a caricature of, of what of they them. are. Yeah. Yeah. I know. I, th- I thought about that a long time ago when they, when there was beard store going, ah, there's a Frank beard, the guy with the last no name, beard. the only guy who doesn't, <laughs> it doesn't have one. I go, and this, you know, whatever, I don't know the real story behind that one specifically, but it's just, I mean, go, that would be right up the, the Billy Gibbons alley of like, Oh yeah, I got an idea, you know, cause he's always, He's always thinking, you know, creatively, not just about music, but just creatively out in the the landscape of like, 
what about this with what about that? You know, so yeah. I, I, I like that. I really like that about him. No. Yeah. Well, then I just, I mean, the songs, you know, I, I, the next song I think that my band's going to cover is going to be, you know, I'm bad nationwide. I just, I, I, because we have two guitars in our band and they could just like swap on that, that, that outro solo. I just, that, that's, yeah. that's, that's my favorite ZZ Top song, hands down. Another great trio song. <laughs> right, exactly. Uh, yeah, and then Dusty. I mean, like, who was it? Flanagan was saying, you know, it's like, you know, he's just like, he just motorboats on on his bass. It's just like, a, it. For, for a trio, they come out with more, um, more uh, sound or, or I don't know how to say it, but it's just like, it, it's insane how much sound comes out of just three people. Yeah, Dusty's Dusty's real solid. There's a lot of real simple stuff going on there that's really, really foundational that everybody gets to stand on. So did you did you pick your records um, for like was it was it was it always because there's a drummer involved or that you love the drums or is it was it because you like the the music more or is it just the time of your life? It, you know what? All this is really you know time of life because. Okay. You know, when you, when we talked and you posed this, I thought, man, you know what? There's like jazz records and reggae mm -hmm. and there's, I mean, there's all kinds of stuff. And I go, this is, I got to have to, you know, and, and, and it really started emerging. Like what was actually not like, you know, you say something like smash hits people. Oh, come on, man. What about just access or just, are you, you know, <laughs> and you know, and there's been so many other records and, I mean, no matter what you're talking about, whether you're talking get off into what kind of jazz are you talking about? Like, I mean, what about kind of blue Miles Davis and, you know, or what, you know, bitches brew or whatever you go, the Mahavishnu right. orchestra and the list just goes on and on. I go, I go, but what was it? What is it that it, at whatever point in time, something kind of provided like the, the light switch of meaning where you go, yeah. boom, okay, you know what? I get something it. just flipped on that changed everything for me. You know, I love it. I, mean, I love it. I mean, we're, all, we're all looking for to get something, you know, in our experience that moves us out of, I think, I would imagine, for listening to music, you know, because otherwise everybody listens to some kind of music. Sometimes it just, and it can just play and play and play and another song comes on, another song comes on. Go, oh, that's a good song. And that's a really nice song. That, that band's really cool. And you go, what is it where you, where you stop and you go something, you have something profound where you go, wow, wait a minute, something just changed. Yep. It, for me. So I go, that was a, yeah, because I go, you look at these five, and I go, yeah, you know, it'd be a whole nother five. Ten. Boy, man, you know, how about that five? And how about this next five? And, you know, it just goes on and on and on. So that, that's, I got there to the meaning, meaning of life song, meaning of life record. Mm -hmm. Yeah. It makes yeah. sense. Yeah. Totally makes sense. Yeah. Uh, but, yeah, ZZ Top. I mean, what... what just a killer band. Just love my, and I, I just love the stuff that, that, that Billy's doing today. And, and of course, his, <laughs> I live next door to his mom. Hey man, <laughs> come on. Yeah, no, that's, um, I, I like that about him because I know that, you know, he's, it was like, like Stevie, you know, Stevie once said, because people had all these comments about Stevie, this and Stevie, that Stevie said, he said, I only, I, I you know, he goes, the only thing I'm just, the only thing that I'm playing for is tone. That's it. Right. There is nothing else. doesn't matter what you're doing if it doesn't have tone. And I, and, I, and I see that, you know, that's what I get from Billy, too. However, they arrive at a tone that they've got for anything that you hear. It's like, 
It's really about that quest for something that's like, wow, what is that sound? It was just one yeah. note, right? It's like, what is that tone? How did you get that tone? Where, you know, I mean, it all comes, you know, talking about guitar players or anybody, it's like the person really is providing the real basis of the tone, but, mm -hmm. or the idea of like, how would I change something to get a different tone? Yeah. And a good tone. And, and, and Billy's one of those guys. <clears throat> yeah, he definitely gets it, man. He's, he's, it's just that it's like the the whole you know it's based in the blues yeah great and all but it's it's not really and it's the the, the way that they the way that they spin everything is just it, it it's it's so unique and so cool and they came from my hometown at least billy did hey man they're kind of like in the car world they'd be like this cool custom resto mod kind of idea yeah. <laughs> well they do like their, their hot rods i'm assuming you like a hot rod too as well I, yeah i do i do i like a hot rod. I like my hot rod. I only have one hot rod, and um, yeah, yeah. one car, one car man. <laughs> <laughs> right on. Well, okay. So tell me where. Oh, so who who are you playing with these days? Uh, nobody. Nobody. No, nobody. <laughs> come on, Flanagan. I know you are. Oh, that was a COVID response. Um, hey, you know what though? I, I I just the fact that you guys went in there and cut that just live i when i asked mike i said no, no, you sang you did no overdubs or anything no on your vocals and he was like nope just right there i was like god damn that's fucking good no you know we went in like what was it six weeks later and there was a sue foley record that's going to come out and we did the same thing we spent one at one more day than we did on mike's record but the three of us went back in there with the engineer chris bell and we did the same thing again um so yeah i've that's the, that's the thing I've done most recently. You know, what's occupied most of my more recent years was um, playing full time with Kenny Wayne Shepherd. Okay. Yeah, and we do whenever we get around to it. About every eighteen months, as it turns out, we do have a thing that we do is called the Rise with Stephen Stills and Barry Goldberg and uh -huh. bass player Kevin McCormick and Kenny and I. And then, you know, um, I'm the seasonal drummer for Experience Hendrix and. Mm -hmm. You know, than anything else that might come along, but that actually occupies, you know, the the vast majority of my year. And we you, do that. We do the jungle shows as it's turning out every right. Christmas with Jimmy Vaughn and Billy Gibbons and Sue and uh, Sue Foley, Mike Flanagan, and myself. There's that, and that kind of actually fills up an entire year every year. Yeah, but it does. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Uh, no. So okay. Well, what, can people find you online anywhere? Do you do you do any of that crap? You know, on on Facebook, um, it's Chris Whipper Layton. Okay. And on Instagram, it's Whip Tail, T A L E. Whip Tail. I'm just writing it down. Yeah, okay. that's it. I yeah, I don't have any Twitter accounts or I, I'm not on I, LinkedIn. I, don't look for me on LinkedIn or. <laughs> <laughs> well, yeah, I mean. Uh, well, it could be good for, for up and coming musicians, but not really for um, established ones, I think. Well, I think, you know, I don't know. I, um, I kind of, um, you know, the, this whole, this whole, this whole COVID period, I've spent more time just being outdoors and, you know, trying to stay away from computers and get sucked into the social media, you know, the black I hole. I don't have time for it. Um, yeah, but you know, it's, it's so you're, you're done, you're done outside of Corpus now, you said? Pardon? That's where you live now is outside of Corpus? No, no, that was, that's where I'm from. I live, I live in, in Austin. I live okay. in Austin. Okay. Yeah. 
yeah. yeah i just um i just got back from the coast i went down to sea drift to go do some fishing this weekend oh you did i'm, yeah. I'm actually going tomorrow to port o'connor for two days to go fishing uh, so you know where sea drift is yeah 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 I'm a, I'm a coastal bend guy man i know where <laughs> i know where these spots are yeah yeah that's funny um all right man well hey listen this is i, I love the thing that I love, okay, there's multiple things I love about this podcast. Number one, I get turned on to new music consistently right now. Uh, number two is that I get to hear the insights of why you guys pick your albums. So it's, 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 it's an honor and a joy to be able to, to pick your brain about this stuff. So thank you very much for taking the time to, to talk to me. Yeah, man, you're welcome. You're welcome. Had a good time doing it. Right on. Well, okay. So then, um, when, once all this COVID shit is done, what, what, what's the plan? Uh, you know what we, I actually got, um, I received an email last week about a full roster of shows with the fingers crossed starting February 2nd with the two trips to Europe and, and, and working all the way up till Christmas of next year. We'll see how much of that happens. You know, yeah. we're all, uh, we're all looking with Kenny Wayne Shepherd. Yeah, with Kenny Wayne Shepherd. Yeah. Okay. Yeah. KennyWayneShepherd.net. You can go check out what he's doing there. Okay. I'm... Yeah. All right. I will, I will def definitely do that. Okay, my man. Well, listen, hey, thanks again for uh, taking the time. Uh, I know you're a busy man. Um, and um, this was really fun. I appreciate it. Yeah. You. I had a good time. Thanks, Gunter. All right. Such a fun talk that was. Loved how he said when he first heard the twist that he broke off a couple of branches and started banging on things. Anyway, if you got the gumption, head over to thebiggunshow.com. Check out what my band is up to these days. You can also catch us on Facebook, Instagram, YouTube, all with the handle of The Big Gun Show Band. That's the, the beginning band on the end. I'll be back in two weeks and every other week after that. Close your eyes. You're back here at my house. Listen to the Whippers records. What five records do you have? Till next time. Yeah.